0: So Money, episode 622, Leandra Medin, founder of Man Repeller. You're listening to So Money with award-winning money guru, Farnoosh Torabi. Each day, get a 30-minute dose of financial inspiration from the world's top business minds, authors, influencers, and from Farnoosh herself. Looking for ways to save on gas or double your double coupons? Sorry, you're in the wrong place. Seeking profound ways to live a richer, happier life. Welcome to So Money. Hello, So Money listeners, So Money Nation. If you're interested in fashion, culture, feminism, you've probably heard of the media site Man Repeller and or its founder, Leandra Medin. I've been a fan and follower of Leandra for several years now, And so getting the chance to chat with her finally was a real treat. Now, Leandra launched Man Repeller originally as a fashion blog while in college at the New School. For her at the time, it was a platform to write as well as make her stand out from the competition when applying for magazine jobs in New York. Very smart. And this was back in 2010. But the site quickly took off. It was super authentic. It was playful. The site and Leandra became stars, receiving a huge profile in the New York Times, many brand partnerships with major fashion and beauty brands, and a front row seat at major runway shows. Dream come true? Yeah, in some ways. What began as a vehicle to land a job became the best job for Leandra. But what we learn is that even as her company has grown very fast over a short period of time, Leandra, at 28 years old, is still trying to figure a lot out, including her own future. Is there a talk show down the road? I say yes. Here's Leandra Medine talking about money, starting a business, talk shows, shoes, and more. Leandra Medine, welcome to So Money. Thank you for having me. I've been watching your career rise since 2010, probably when you started Man Repeller. Obviously, know a lot about you from what all that you put out there. You know, you have, you're a humorous writer. You talk a lot about your fashion, but also you, you have perspectives on things, personal life. You have a spending diary that you've done. Um, I wanted to ask you, have you ever really talked about money publicly? Uh, I'm not really sure what you mean by that. So have you ever talked about like your personal finances um, has it ever come up in interviews? These days, people are really, really interested to learn about, you know, how we are as money people. Like, do, are we spenders? Are we savers? Do you feel like this is something that you feel comfortable talking about? Has it, does it ever come up in your, you know, when you're talking to colleagues or friends? Is it something that just sort of like rolls off the tongue or it's not? It Like in a lot of circles, it's kind of taboo.
1: I I suppose I talk a lot about how I make money. I mean, monetization is obviously an important part of a lot of conversations that I have as a founder.
0: But do I talk about my spending habits pretty regularly? No. You did do a spending diary on Man Repeller, which is the sort of empire that you've started. It it was born out of when you were in college as a blog and has really become a full-fledged business. And on Man Repeller... Um, one of the things that you did that I thought was really interesting, and I want more of this, I really do, is your spending diary as well as your mom's spending diary and some other folks. What did you learn through that process? Did you like tracking your spending? Did you learn anything about yourself? Did I learn anything about myself? Not really. That series was
1: inspired by one that Refinery29 runs, which I which I find so addictive. It's that Their series is actually called Money Diaries. And they have various people from various different professions write out their week of spending and they they share everything, their salary, how much their rent is. If they have to pay rent that week, they share that also. Um, and I find them so addicting and interesting to read because it's it it really is such an intimate part of another person's life that you don't often get to see. I thought that maybe it would be Interesting or fun to track my own spending for a week and publish it on Man Repeller, and it sort of became a series that we started doing on Man Repeller as well. And of course, we always give credit to Refinery Twenty Nine because it's really their idea, not ours. But um, I, did I learn anything about myself? Not really. I, I'm I'm a pretty cognizant person. I'm aware of what I spend and when I spend it. I've I've never really been an overspender and I grew up only using cash. So I was very, I was acutely aware of how much money I had or did not have.
0: Mm. Your mom also tracked her spending. You kind of reported on it. This comes up on the show a lot. We we'd kind of go down memory lane about money right? And we discover that maybe sometimes the way that we are with money, like you're very cognizant of your spending. Do you find that you are who you are today with money because of the background that you had? One of the big questions on this show is what is the greatest money memory you had as a kid growing up? And how has that manifested as an adult?
1: The greatest money memory? I I don't know. Money was not really the center of my memories growing up. I did, I was not even aware of money until I was probably like 15. I'm not really sure what you mean. What's your greatest money memory?
0: <laughs> well, my parents talked about money a lot. We were Middle Eastern. And so am I. Yeah, I think uh, we're from the same tribe. I'm Iranian. Uh-huh. Yes, my mom was born in Iran, but she grew up between Israel and Italy, and my dad is from Turkey. So I don't know if this was also a situation in your household growing up, but money was a very fluent topic in the sense that we didn't really shy away from it. We didn't it wasn't like maybe in other households, traditional household, American tr- households. It was sort of not polite to talk about money. My mother's and we always joke, my mother always likes to talk about how much things cost, or she'll ask you, and she'll say, "Oh, what a beautiful sweater or necklace! Where did you get it? How much did it cost?" We're just we we find it really interesting to know the dollar signs attached to things for whatever reason. We're also big on real estate. So growing up, I think I didn't have this trepidation around money that some of my peers may have, or just this lack of curiosity. I had it, and I I really attribute my family for setting me up that way, for better or worse. Mm-hmm. So. That's what really begs the question. Um, and we find a lot of interesting anecdotes on the show from people. So just curious if you had like a lemonade stand or, you know, I don't know, just any any kind of, kind of vivid memory about money growing up. Um, I knew you grew up. Did you grow up in New York, New York City? I, I grew up in Manhattan. Mm-hmm. So that's interesting. I mean, not many people get that opportunity. That is, I feel like people grew up really quickly when they grew up in New York. Yeah.
1: I mean, I don't know anything else. So I'm not sure. I'm not sure what the alternative would have been like because I only grew up in New York. Mm-hmm. But I, I don't, I I never really considered it a money memory, but you can call it that if you want. When I was um maybe like 13 or 14 years old, my foot had finally become a size five, which meant that I was eligible to wear Steve Madden shoes because their shoes did not, their sizing didn't start until a size five. And there was one pair of boots that I really, really wanted, and they were $70. So I saved up for about two weeks and bought those for myself. But to me, that was always a story about how
0: resilient and unflinching I become when I really want something. So let's take that moment. Unflinching, you said, right? Determined. When you started Man Repeller, and I don't want to. Assume that it was just a hobby. Maybe you had really, I, I think you were really intentional with it, but did you ever think that it was going to become what it is today I, um, I, in, in such a short period of time? More
1: credit than I deserve. You're actually giving me a bit more credit than I deserve. It, uh, really? uh, it absolutely did start as a hobby. I launched Man Repeller when I was a junior in college, and I had it, it is very, very genuinely an accidental business, and that is a blessing and a curse because. I never it wasn't built with intention it sort of just happened and in some ways it's beautiful because it's very real and authentic but in some ways it's tough because I didn't know what I was doing and therefore just caught whatever was thrown at me and wasn't really
0: throwing myself you had a New York Times profile relatively early in the in the business's life which is huge not many people get that at all during the lifetime of their business so you were sort of put out there. Maybe you were pushed out there and, and for better or for worse. How did you find your grounding? What better. What helped very, you?
1: Very, I wouldn't say for better or worse that, I mean, that all of the press that came my way, I accepted with an extremely open heart. I was very, very excited about all of that. I, I mean, once, once Man Repeller was launched and out in the universe and people actually cared I was not sheepish about turning it into a business. I was excited to do that. I think I just, it would have been nice
0: if I had
1: launched it with intention.
0: What do you think helped you along the way? It sounds like you were kind of building the plane as you were flying it. So what would you say were like the top two or three resources, people, ideals that really helped you to ultimately find that intention and, and solidify that intention?
1: I think I'm still trying to find it, to be quite honest. I know it's been a long time. Man Repeller has been around for seven years, but it's only really been an operating media business for about three and a half. Before that, the way that I monetized was was really as an influencer. I mean, this is before the word influencer had become very popular, but the way that the way that Man repeller made money was
0: by me showing up places, <laughs> right, right. I was just talking to a friend saying, "I'm going to interview Leandra Medine. She's the founder of Man repeller. She obviously knew who you were, but I said, "You know it was a really interesting time when you launched, and you wrote you mentioned this in the New York Times piece. I think or I think I read maybe something recently because you're celebrating about a ten year anniversary now almost." right? Almost seven years. Three years. Yeah. Yeah. So we're getting there. Even in the internet, in the digital world, seven years is like, it's a huge leap. And when you began writing, things went viral because the content was strong. And sometimes, you know, you said you'd wake up and you'd have 2000 new Twitter followers because of something that you had written or a picture that you'd put up. That was really attention grabbing. It wasn't because you had a Facebook ad that went, you know, that had a funnel or whatever. I didn't even know the terms. Do you miss those days? Do you find it a little more difficult now with so much out there, so much noise?
1: I mean, yeah, those felt like in many ways the golden days of media when, when the internet was still a meritocracy and you would start, you would write a good piece of content you would write a good piece of content and people would find it and it would do well based on that virtue alone. And it's just not that way anymore because the distribution networks are arguably more important and more valuable than the actual content is.
0: Where do you find your voice right now? Where do you like to live in in sort of your space online? Other than, of course, manrepeller.com? where do you find your audience best? Where do you connect best?
1: it's it's an interesting question, particularly given the time, because, you know, I feel like I've been running Man Repeller for seven years. And in many ways, I've kind of been pigeonholed into the voice that I launched with. And over the past year or so, I feel myself growing up. And, you know, I, I suffered a miscarriage earlier this year, and so much of my writing became about suffering. And I'm really ready to move on and still feel like I have to feed a voice that doesn't really satisfy or accommodate who I am anymore. So I don't I don't I have not found my voice again. I'm I'm in a weird vortex right now of mm-hmm. like uh, I'm certainly in a search for meaning and and a little confused and very anxious
0: all, all along, you are growing your business. I understand that you launched a shoe line, which going back to your story, your Steve Madden story, it's kind of a nice connection there. You always have this appreciation for shoes, I understand, because, hey, we can all fit in them. So it kind of democratizes fashion in a way. Tell us about your shoe line. Well, that shoe line is actually a licensing deal.
1: So I launched with a company based out of the UK called Six London for Fall '16, and we launched exclusively with Net-A-Porter as our partner, and they've been our exclusive partner for the past three seasons, and will continue to work with us exclusively through this upcoming fall, and then we're opening up to wholesale. But you, if you ask, what do you, what would you like to know about my shoe line? I'm happy to share whatever you'd like to know. What inspires it? Similarly to what you said, I have always been really interested in shoes. They've always been my favorite fashion accessory, particularly because they are they feel more escapist than any other fashion item does, and they fit everyone. It doesn't matter what you look like, what you feel like. You know, you put on a pair of shoes, and it can change your mood.
0: Do you feel like your brand is part rebellious in a way, Um even just the name man repeller, you know, it's like we want to it's very strong. It's we're not going to just conform to the runway fashions. Um, we're not going to just conform to wearing what other people think we should wear. It sounds like if there is a common theme here, it's that you are very much trying to be yourself and being loud about that and clear about that. Was that fair to say?
1: Yeah, that's definitely fair to say. I'm not sure if that makes it rebellious. It, it just is. It just
0: Yeah, it can be perceived as that, I think, um, because it's not sometimes in line with what everyone else is thinking or doing.
1: Yeah, I don't know how true that is anymore. I think for sure that's one of the reasons that Man Repeller felt so uh, unique in the beginning. It was sort of a radical way to present content, to be really, really honest about who you are and to make sure that everything that you were producing was done so with a really authentic tinge. But the rest of the internet has kind of caught up, and that—that that is where Man Repeller finds itself caught between a rock and a hard place. Because if the thing that we've always been doing and that's always been true about who we are is still true, and yet everyone else is trying to crack that code, what makes us so different? Right.
0: You're very, still very young in the life of this company, and yet you are you're also thinking about the very, very future. And I read that You want to turn Man Repeller, like your ideal situation would be a day where you wouldn't have to be so so attached to Man Repeller, right? That it kind of could exist on its own without you. And that's a very, that's very, I think, selfless in some ways. I've been a part of brands that were very distinctly there because and existed because of the people behind it, the person, the face. Without it, it wouldn't have really been as attractive or exciting, in in the hopes of that, how are you? How are you managing the company? Because that's I feel like it would be a really hard thing for readers, especially. I mean, you're such a part of their experience.
1: Well, I'm just trying to think about what I do and don't need to do. I listened to uh, Barbara Corcoran's episode of How I Built This, and she said something that really stuck with me, which was that she knew that she was a fantastic seller, but that for as long as she was selling focusing on growing her business was always going to be um a side thought. It was always going to be something that she was doing on the side. And sometimes I think about that with myself and uh the my status as a quote unquote content creator. For as long as I'm continuing to contribute to the site and I'm the face of the site and I'm uh producing the, the majority of the content that is top performing am i really ever going to be able to focus on growing the business and turning this into something that can outlive me that will outlive me that won't need me to survive and that's that's really been the mindset and the question that i've been making all of my decisions based
0: on are there role models out there for you are there archetypes that you're looking at and examining and thinking hmm that could be an interesting blueprint for us
1: yes and no. It's hard. I don't like comparing myself to other people because number one, it makes me feel like shit about myself. And also because it, I get nervous that I'm going to try to replicate something that already exists. So I don't focus too much on the people that are around me and what they're doing, even though it's hard not to pay attention, but, um, it's, uh, I, I'm, I'm a quite literal person, if I'm being really honest. And what I mean by that is I, I'm literal in every sense. This happens in, in business as well. And if I, if I assume role models for myself, my fear is that what I will do is try to like brick by brick build what they have built. Right. Yeah. I mean, I,
0: I, I don't think you're – I think you're s- too smart to fall into that trap. I do think, though, that we can't help but be inspired sometimes by people and, and processes. Something inspired you to start writing back in college, you know, something inspired you to start Man Repeller. Maybe it wasn't seeing other people do it, but maybe you had the kernel of the idea from an experience or just life sometimes hits you with ideas. Business aside, money aside, what excites you? What, like when you have a free Sunday, what do you like to do? You know, these days
1: it's really just spend time with my husband and family, I'm I'm someone who is so motivated by human connection and connectivity, and it's really easy to get lost in in how static business can sometimes feel. So on a day off, I really just like to spend time with people who I genuinely love. Mm hmm.
0: I notice you have many followers online. I follow you on Instagram. You've been traveling quite a bit. Where do you love to to spend your time abroad? Uh,
1: where do I mean, I haven't been to one place so many times that I could say I'd love to spend my time abroad there. Locally, I really like being in Southampton. My parents have a small place in uh, the Shinnecock neighborhood of Southampton, New York. And it's like the minute you get there, all of the stress that you're carrying just rolls off your skin.
0: So you bring up stress. So on this show, we talk about money and how it... Like our relationship with it. And I know before we were recording everyone. Well, we weren't recording. I forgot to hit the record button. I asked you a question. I said, you know, how often or how do you on a scale of one to 10, Leandra, how much do you enjoy talking about money? And and um, well, I'll let you answer that now that we're recording. And then I want to ask a follow up to that, if I may.
1: Sure. How much do I? I don't think I, I have ever described myself as someone who's been always talking about money.
0: That's fair. Knowing that, I mean, what do you, what kind of relationship do you feel like you have with money? Does it leave you feeling anything? For some people, it's a source of anxiety. For some people, it could be a source of adoration. They look at money as this abundant thing. They look forward to having as much of it and being around it as much as possible. Where do you fall on that spectrum?
1: I think I have a very weird relationship with money. Um, My mom definitely carries a sincere refugee mentality. She was always very afraid to run out of money. And maybe that's because of the circumstances of her childhood and having been placed and then removed in various different countries from the time that she was five until the time that she was 18 and finally came to the United States. Uh, but that has not been my experience at all. I grew up in a comfortable setting in New York City. And so you would think that I would not carry the baggage that she does. But because she's my mother and, you know, she she built the sum of my parts, including my nervous system, I really have developed this uh, strange relationship with money in that I'm consistently afraid that I'm no longer going to have it and that I need to preserve it.
0: Wow. So how does that play out in your life? Are you um, saving so much? Are you worried? Do you Are you nervous when you spend? How does that play out?
1: Yeah. I mean, I'm definitely saving a lot. I would say that the, the way that it plays out the most ineffectively is that many times instead of being motivated by love, I make decisions based on fear. And that's stupid because you end up living your life uh, based on all of the things you're troubleshooting against instead of like the dream state that you're supposed to be building for yourself.
0: You're very wise. I have to say for someone, you're like not tw- you're not even 30 yet, right? I'm 28. 28. So super mature. I find that it's so inspiring to meet someone who's 28, who by the way, has been running a company for seven years, a successful one too. And arriving at this point, still feeling like you're trying to figure things out. Where do you see yourself in the next year. Let's not even take it too far out in the next year. Let's do it simply. I mean, sometimes we ask for five, ten years, but um, it sounds like you're taking it day by day.
1: Yeah, I sure am. Um, In an ideal world a year from now, I, I would hope that Man Repeller has broken through the wall that I feel like we're coming up against now. You know, we spent feel like we've spent seven years in crazy build mode and we've sort of reached this place of stasis where we're, we're producing content and producing good content, but what's next? What's the next thing? It's certainly not a lack of passion or a lack of motivation, but I feel ready to move on to to accelerate, I suppose, to the next video game level. Um, so right. I'm hoping that by next year at this time, my clarity has revealed itself. I have a much better idea of what we're doing and where we're going. And I have the appropriate team in place to help
0: me uh, actualize and realize the dreams. What's something that you're grappling with now? What's one thing that kind of still has been difficult to, to triumph?
1: Generally speaking, I associate myself much more, or I am, I'm the most comfortable when I'm being treated as talent. You know, I, I think before anything else I'm an entertainer. And running a business is kind of just something that happened to me. It's not I, I never I never thought this is the position I would be in. I never wanted to be a CEO. You know, I, I always wanted to work for myself, but when I said work for myself, I thought that meant like being a freelancer who lived at home, who had or who worked from home and had a talk show and you know did various things on the side, but who mostly capitalized on her uh, ability to entertain the pieces of running a business that have been really hard for me. Well, the pieces that have been really easier that I'm quite a strategic thinker and I'm, I'm really a big ideas thinker. And because I'm, you know, so afraid of losing money, I am therefore very good at preserving it. But, um, I'm not a very thorough thinker and I'm not super detail oriented Like I'm your big picture person through and through. The minute you want to start talking about how we get to the big picture, I completely check out. And, you know, those are really, really important qualities in a CEO. And so teaching myself to be that way has been really, really challenging. And I'm still trying. And, you know, on the bad days, it makes me want to crawl out of my skin. But on the good days, I feel like I'm actually learning something.
0: So let's say someone comes up to you and says, Leandro, we're going to give you a talk show. But it would require you spending all your time on this show and you'd have to relinquish your role as, you know, as, as the, you are the CEO, right? Uh Of Man Repeller. What would you do? I would say it's
1: 2017, my friend. And if I have to relinquish any role to to do this talk show means that this is not being operated in an efficient enough capacity. (laughs) Thank you, but no, thank you.
0: (laughs) Touche. You're right about that. Look at Gwyneth Paltrow, for example, right? She started Goop and now she is the CEO and she was on the Today Show the other day and Matt Lauer asked her, so are you going to do films? Can you do films? And she said, you know what? I'm pretty tethered to my desk. I'm running teams. I'll do a project when it's inspiring to me or I find great pleasure in it, but it's not like I am actively pursuing my acting career any longer, Um, which is was why I thought for some reason you couldn't really have both worlds simultaneously um but you bring a but that's a good point you shouldn't be able to give up stuff to just do a talk show no if you did have a talk show what would be what would it be like what kind of an entertainer are you i know you're very funny we love your writing on man repeller what would your show be about
1: so i actually have an idea of something I'd like to run right now, but essentially I would really like to talk to people who are fairly well known, uh, but very superficially and, you know, get down to the guts of who they are beyond the facades that we, that we recognize. I really, really like getting to know people, getting to understand what makes them tick, you know, what they're self-conscious about, what they feel great about, but especially what they're self-conscious about, because nothing is more motivating than feeling like shit yourself and learning that one of your heroes has the same, insecurity that you do. And I, I really like having those very candid human conversations.
0: Yes. So it's not just about like their latest product that they're shilling, no, but no, no,
1: no. <laughs> I, I would like to get into the guts of whoever my, um, what are they called? They're not
0: contestants cause it's not a game show. Ga- your guests? Yeah, just my guests. I suppose <laughs> it's guests. you could turn them into contestants. They could do also fun obstacles. That would be an interesting twist. Oh goodness! They get slimed for giving bad answers. Well, this is sort of what I hope so. Money is for listeners. It's an opportunity to hear from people that you have admired from a distance, whether it's because you like their blog or you, uh, it's a they're a great performer or an author. We don't often hear about people's money stories, and that's hopefully what we're unveiling on the show with each guest. Leandra, you've been a really, really fun person to get to know a little bit more for the past 30 minutes. I didn't know what to expect. Uh, I see big things in your future, bigger things, and I really appreciate your honesty, your candidness. I appreciate even when you said, I don't understand that question, (laughs) keeping me on my toes. Before you leave, I I would like to get one more question answered. If there's one money advice that you have for anyone listening based on, you know, what you've experienced in your business or perhaps balancing your business with your personal life, any financial advice. And I know that some people say, I'm not an expert, but we all go through experiences. We all learn things. So what is your biggest money advice for our our listeners? Well, if you're
1: someone like me... The advice is twofold. On the one hand, it's try to save half of what you make, but also uh, don't be so hard on yourself. Don't turn money into the end-all be-all of what defines your success and happiness because it doesn't do either of those things. And the more emphasis you place on it, the, um, the, the more power you give to it. If you're not like me, if you're a little... If you're a little uh, more lax and not necessarily afraid that you're going to run out of it, definitely just try to save some of it. Don't spend your entire paycheck. It's such a delightful thing to have savings.
0: <laughs> it is. And I don't know about you, but I find that when I, when I don't have money, I want more. I want things that I don't even really care for. I just, I want that bag or I want those shoes. Once I make the money, those things seem very irrelevant. Inconse- irrelevant. Right. I don't want them. They just, I'd rather have the money in my bank account. So I think I'm, I think I'm more like you than maybe I thought or we think. Yeah. Well, yeah. I
1: mean, you don't even actually want the thing is the bottom line, right? You just think you do because you can't have it.
0: Right. Right. Oh, all right. Well, Leandra, we hope to have you back in maybe a year or, or even later when things, when you get that talk show, I would watch (laughs) that show. You should start podcasting in that format and then just be like, this is the show guys, gals, but we would have it on camera. I don't know if you've already.
1: Not a bad idea.
0: But yeah, start, you know, just, just do it. That's why I did this podcast because it's very hard to strike out on TV. It's a lot easier to strike out on audio, but then you never know what could come from it.
1: Totally. All
0: right. Well, thank you so much again.
1: Thank you. Congrats on seven years. Thank you so much. And congratulations to you on being great.
0: (laughs) Thank you. Thanks so much to Leandra for stopping by So Money. Best wishes to her and Man Repeller. If you missed any of the interview, want to download the transcript, listen to it again and again and again and share it. Very easy. Just go to SoMoneyPodcast.com. And if you have a question for me about money, career, anything, click on Ask Farnoosh while you're on the site and I will try to include it in an upcoming Ask Farnoosh Friday episode. Thanks for tuning in everyone and I hope your day is so money.